Now, let's get into just a quick word here, a quick thought about who God is <clears throat> or who the, what the Bible is. <clears throat> so let me pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just focus my attention upon what you want to say. God, that you would give me the words to say as I just speak about your scriptures. I just pray, God, that you would just anoint the words, let the people here respond and hold to the truth of what is being taught. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a few weeks, my son is going to present his senior project to scholars and professors who are specialized in their areas, their fields of study. And his paper is called Defending Genesis, the Accuracy and the Truthfulness of Scripture. And I'm just, you know, and it's just, yes, these are subjects I'm passionate about. Yes, he's asked me a lot of questions. Yes, we've had a lot of discussions. But Tony, he knows his word. He knows the word of God. And he loves God. And he just, he had a heart to just, it burned in him to present this subject about defending Genesis, the accuracy and the truthfulness of Scripture. The other day I woke up, just a couple of days ago I woke up and I thought about his his paper, and I thought this thought, here is my son defending Genesis, defending the Bible at a Bible college. It just, it really bothered me. Because why do we have to defend the accuracy and the truthfulness of a book in the Bible, of a first chapter in the Bible? Because we don't hold to what God said. Now, I'm not going to rehash the creation story and, and go over it again, even though it burns in my heart, because it really does lay the foundation for everything else in Scripture. That's why it's included in the first chapter of the Bible. But I want to talk about the Bible in general, just real quickly, because I think sometimes we just don't really appreciate the actual book that we have, the book that is alive and active, the book that is inspired of God, the book that is God's Word. Every time you read the Bible, you hear God's voice. Now, we don't appreciate that. We should, because think about it. The Creator of everything speaks to us through His text. God says, if you want to know me, here you go. Here's, here's the word. Back in the Old Testament, they called it the law. And they said, you want to know God? Here's the law. Well, now in the New Testament, we have the New Testament, and we can know God and learn about Jesus through the New Testament. And now we have the Holy Spirit for the church. And the, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes, He lives inside of us, and He reminds us of the words that Jesus Christ said. He continues to tell us about the Word. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, in the beginning... In the very beginning of creation was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It's all about the Word. And in order for us to know God, we have to read His Word. But what is the Word of God? What is the Bible? Because I'll tell you this, you here today have appreciation for the Bible. You here today have an appreciation of what the Bible is. But that's not what happens outside of these walls. Outside of these walls, there's a lot of different opinions about the Bible. There's a lot of different levels and scales about the Bible of how much we believe and how much we hold to it and how, what is literal, what is poetic, what is, what is mythological, and what is accurate history. People don't appreciate the Bible the way you do. For us, it's, it's life and death. For us, it's God's Word. It's life. But for people, even in the church, they don't understand, they don't appreciate, and sometimes they don't care 
what the Bible says. This is important because we must understand what the Bible is. Psalm 18.30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. I want you to think about this. The Bible claims, and I'm going to tell you about what it claims it is. The Bible claims that the word of the Lord is flawless. In order for it to be flawless, it has to be perfect. And that's why in biblical Hebrew poetry, there is a thing called A and B. Now let me explain this to you. In, in the way, in the, way the, the, in the Old Testament, Hebrews would write in poetry. The Hebrews would write in poetry. And they would tell you a line, and that would be A. They would tell you a line, and then they would amplify it. They would, they would highlight it. They would kind of help you know what it means by giving you the second line called B. Now, it's not like poetry like for us, right? Because poetry, roses are red, violets are actually blue, uh, or violet, not blue, you know. So, but we have a rhythm, we have a meter, we have a way of saying it. Roses are red, violets are blue. That's a meter, that's a rhythm, that's a rhyme. But poetry in, in the Bible isn't like that. Hebrew poetry is completely different. It's not about rhythm, it's not about rhyme, it's not about metered, it's not about having a, a, a words that end in the same phrase or sounds like. It is simply, I'm going to give you a statement. And to help you understand that statement, I'm going to give you another statement. And sometimes that statement amplifies it. Sometimes it contrasts it. Sometimes it, it, it goes opposite. So it may say, you know, like the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that's what, it, that's what it's trying to tell you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But it's going to help you understand what knowledge really means and why it's important. Because the first part, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so what the Hebrew poetry is trying to tell you is that, yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which means do not despise wisdom and discipline because with wisdom and discipline, you gain the knowledge to fear the Lord. And so it just kind of amplifies the first part. So what does the first part say? As for God, His way is perfect. So what are we talking about? We're talking about God who is perfect, that everything He does is perfect. And how do we prove this? How do we say this? Simply, the word, the Lord's word is flawless. It's saying the same thing. It's not telling you two different things. It's telling you God is perfect. God is flawless. Whether he speaks it, whether it's written, whether it's delivered through angels, however it is given to you, it is perfect. It is flawless. And I'm telling you, the Bible, written over 1,500 years by many different authors, is perfect. It lines up perfectly. And you say, well, no, there's a lot of contradictions and there's a lot of things that go, no, 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 no. There is not no contradictions. There is no, there is no problem with Scripture. The problem we have is our interpretation. The problem we have is the way we interpret it. But with God's Word, it is perfect. It is flawless. So this is what the Bible claims about itself. You know what Jesus claimed about the Bible? He says, your Word is truth. John 17, 17. Jesus said that your word is truth. Those simple, this simple little phrase here, four words, really lay down the gauntlet on how Jesus feels about God's word. Your word is truth. Let me ask you this. True or false, Jesus is the Son of God. 
true, right? True or false? True or false? God lives in heaven. True, right, right? True or false? The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. True, right? All these things are true or false. There's no scale. It's not like we say, okay, Jesus is kind of like the Son of God most of the time, but sometimes he's not. No, it's either it is or it isn't. And so Jesus is the one who gives us such a, a clear thing. Either it is or it isn't. And Jesus is said, your word is truth. That means this, that there's anything in here that is not true, then it can't be a true statement. And the reason why I say that, that Genesis 1 is so important because it's very hard for us to hold to Genesis 1 in a literal way for our modern thoughts because science tells us it's completely opposite. No one believes there's water above our sun, moon, and stars. No one believes stars in, 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 in a general sense. No one believes that the stars are just little points of light stuck in a firmament, which the Bible claims is in a solid barrier above us. Wow. I mean, that's not really true. Well, then, you know what? Jesus made an inaccurate statement because Genesis 1 is true. I hold my hat on everything God said because I'll tell you this, the moment I find out that my God has lied to me, he's not God. I have no plan B. I have no backup plan. Why? Because he's promised, and when he promises, it is true. Jesus told us your word is truth. That's why we have to be people of faith. We have to believe that he'll never lie to you. Never. And when he wrote it in scripture, it is not a lie. So God's word is perfect. It's flawless. Jesus said his word is truth. Paul claims that all scripture is God-breathed. means that God inspired it. God is the one who initiated. It's not our story. Moses did not write the creation story. Moses was told the creation story. David did not write his poetry. David was inspired to write his poetry. People, people use this argument all the time. Well, these are just people in the Bible, and they're people just like us, and sometimes we say things what we don't really mean, and, and we say things that, that could be misinterpreted. Fine, but not God's Bible, not His Word, because His Word was inspired by Him, and He chose the right people to write what He wanted. This is his word. Paul claimed all scriptures God breathed. David claimed that the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. David himself said that the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. It wasn't me writing. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the spirit of God that was writing through me as if his word was on my tongue. It is a burning sensation within David. A passion to write what God is wanting him to write. The Bible is not just a book. And it's not just a bunch of stories put together by human people. It was God saying, I need my people to know me. And I need them to know me through the word that I'm going to speak. And so he selected the right people to write down what God wanted. Paul again claimed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, You received the word of God which you heard from us. You accepted it not as human word, but it actually of what it actually is, the word of God. Paul said this to the church, listen, you know that we are speaking God's word and you did not accept it as if I was just saying it. You knew that this was from God. 
I'll tell you, sometimes, I know this just from my personal, personal point of view. Sometimes when I write books, when I write the books that I've written, there are times when I, I step back and I say, I didn't write that. Now, I'm not saying that my books are inspired Word of God and it's the Bible. and No, because it always is the Bible. It's, the Bible is the standard. The Bible is God's Word and that's it. But there are times when I would write passages in my book and I would step back and I would tell my wife, I said, I didn't write that. Because there was an inspiration that happened where God would actually give me the words to say, thoughts that I didn't even think of, and he would give me those things. It was inspired. That's what our Bible is. It's not human words. It's not Moses writing down his opinion. It's not David writing down what he wants. It's not Joshua recording his thoughts. These are books that have been inspired by God, and it is the Word of God. That's what the Bible claims about itself. And it's important to know this because if you do not know the Bible and the, the power of the Bible, God's Word, then you will be lacking in power. Jesus told us that if you are an heir of Scripture, you are also an heir of having the power of God. You don't have His power in you. I'm telling you the Word of God is the power that you need to get through life. I, I don't believe that, that God wants to fill us with energy so that we can display greatness. I believe that God is going to fill us with his word, fill us with faith, fill us with his presence so that we can withstand the things that happen in this world. So that we can do what God has asked us to do. We don't have to be afraid of the winter that's coming. We don't have to be afraid of the darkness that's ahead of us because we know that as long as he is in us that there's nothing that can stop what he wants to do. And so we must be people of faith, people of his word. I encourage you to look at the Bible differently. I encourage you to hold true to the statements found in the Bible. Because I'll tell you this, everything that God has said is proven true. There's not one thing in the Bible that is false. We must hold on to his word. And so this morning, I just encourage you, get back into the text. Get back into reading his word. Get back into reading it and just holding on and believing it. Because I tell you, when you hold on to God's word, your faith will be tested. It will. And it's not being tested because God has seen whether you're sincere or not. It's being tested so that God will validate your faith and reward it. Listen, the Bible made a pretty clear statement that many will follow, but only few are chosen. The narrow path. I believe it's a lot narrower than we think because I don't think everyone is going to make it that claims to be a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about we're going through the tribulation or anything, but I just think that when, it, when, when push comes to shove, when, when, the, when, when, when we are faced with real problems, that's when your faith comes. Listen, I have always been a confident man. I've always been confident. I've always had the ability to make money. I've always had the ability to do things on my own. I, I, have the, I have the confidence to figure out problems. I'm just a confident man. But in 2012, the Lord had to break me. He had to just break me so that I would understand true confidence, true faith. And when I said, okay, Lord, I'll follow you, and I took a step of faith, 
He tested it. Not because he wanted to see me suffer. Not because he wanted to see our family struggle. Because he wanted to just validate that I was sincere. And then in the hardest moments, in the lowest points of my life, God would come in and he would say, Son, thank you. This is what I'm going to reward you with. Now, that only happens when you are willing to take your faith in his word and believe it. That will happen. And I challenge you, believe his word. Believe his word. When you read things in here, you believe it. You hold on to it. Don't doubt it. I encourage you, believe in the word that is perfect and flawless. Believe in the word that is true. Believe in the word that is not human words, but God's word himself speaking to us. And when you do, you will find yourself being rewarded for your faith in him. I know darkness is coming. I know hardships are on the horizon. I know that it's going to be tough for this world. But for those who hold on to his word, there is nothing that is impossible. From those who hold on to his word, he will make us and see us through. And when one day when we get to heaven and we're all there enjoying our time with him, we're going to look back at these moments and say, you know, those things were nothing. My faith in you, my love for you, God, was everything, and I'm glad that we're together. So hold on to his word. Get back to the Bible and encourage you. Get back to reading it. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just I felt a passion just to share about what the Bible is, how your word is true, how your word is flawless and perfect, and how it's not human words, but it's your word. It is living. It is active. It is inspired. It is God-breathed. I pray, Lord, that we would be people, Lord, that believe your word, hold on to your word, and trust your word. And so, Father, I pray, God, that as a church, we would never forget your voice, never forget the text, never forget the Bible, and that we would be people of your word in, in our private life and in this church. And, God, I know that you are going to reward your, your servants, your people, your children for their faith in you. And, Lord, I know you're going to reward them greatly. So, Father, I pray that you would reward them even today, God. Reward them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen.